Welcome back to the Zero Weakness Podcast, where we talk about how to be a better lifter, how to be a better coach, and everything in between. Make sure you subscribe and enjoy. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Zero Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Establishment Coffee Co. Go to establishmentcoffee.com.au, use the code ZERO25 and get 25% off your order and free shipping. We're back with another episode and we have a special guest Come hey, through Henny. Hey, I'll take it from here, CJ. <laughs> Whoa. <Hey. laughs> all right. We're here with uh, none other than the greatest 110 lifter of all time Ooh. in Australia. Yes. Big William Crozier of Nexus Performance. Head coach, owner, CEO, entrepreneur, powerlifting mogul. People's champ. Yeah, the people's champ. One of the <laughs> nicest guys you'll ever meet. One of the biggest necks you'll ever see in your life. Huge circumference. Can't do his top button up ever. Uh, what else is there? <laughs> he boasts a huge total of 985 that he did in America in 2020. Correct. 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 At, uh, at Rick, uh, what, what's yeah. the name of the comp? They changed the name of the comp. Record Breakers. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't so exist anymore. Yeah, so it's still Record Breakers. Yeah, so that's where he squatted 385 kilos, benched 220 and deadlifted 380. Oosh. <laughs> You've done your research. I'll give you that. I, I was thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just had to confirm that. Uh, yeah. So yeah, Will, thanks for coming on the podcast. Finally. I, yeah. should, I should have been in episode one. He's actually really? a he's actually a zero <laughs> veteran as well. Good. Yes. Put the mic closer to your face. Oh yeah. Jamie, sort R- that out. Right up on the, on the no. There we you go, gotta, brother. What do you say, CJ? You gotta kiss the mic. Yes. Yeah. Uh, mouth pretty, pretty much uh, be kissing. If the CJ's mic. not careful, we'll have to kiss the ring soon. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Come get it. He showed me a video of him doing boxing again. Yeah, I saw him on the ground with a bag just the yeah, shit out of the bag's video. face. Just grab, grab I was, pound. I was <laughs> gutted. I was like, fuck, I, I have to stop talking shit now. Did you ever do any martial arts, Will? Uh, when I was young, I did Taekwondo. Nice. Most deadly of martial arts. <laughs> Could you imagine trying to choke out Will? <laughs> Getting your arm around that thing? <laughs> your forearms just around his chin <laughs> and you try to... What about on the, in, in the Navy? Did you guys ever like get out on the bow of the ship and like <laughs> secret circle of like money chucking in and wrestling <laughs> like, to like the death? Bulldogging. Like bulldogging. Isn't that what you do in the Navy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Will, Will was in the comms deck. In the electronics department, yeah? Yeah. Sorting out the, the headphones and the, the microphones and the... Oh, you should have set us up. Nah, I wasn't any good. <laughs> before we um before we <laughs> before we really get started um <clears throat> will's actually a zero weakness veteran mm. he's been around the establishment for a very long time one of the ogs yeah one of the ogs do you guys do you thomas or you will want to talk us through the history between you guys how far you guys date back because i know mm-hmm. thomas is you know he's been your right hand man at every comp i didn't mention that before i oh, fucked that intro up my bad uh, i don't want to talk about it. it's not something i'm very proud of so <laughs> I think man's been on top of our board for a very long time. He's owned the number one spots forever. <laughs> no one's really going to touch it. Yeah, we met at uh, States 2015, yep. which was my first comp. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. You can move it around. You can move it around. Yeah. It's this is your first time, brother. Yeah, you need the headsets. What are you doing? Oh, fuck. But CJ, man. Sort it out. Um, <laughs> it's on me. Yeah, 20, 2015, early 2015, first comp. Uh, and then I met... Yourself and everyone, bunches, bunches of zero lifters. That was that was a great comp. Uh, still fresh in my mind. I squatted two eighty in sleeves. Yep, one horrible one sixty two bench. <laughs> um, just the old, just drop it and go. Uh, and a fourth attempt, three twenty five point five deadlift to beat Fuzzy's record. Yes, 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 yes. That was in the hundreds, right? Uh, yeah, kind of. What yeah. did you cut from? 109 or something? Nah, jeez. 106.7. Okay. <laughs> Big cut. Uh, nationals after that was more like 108.9, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was really interesting because like, you know, GPC back then, it had only been around for a couple of years and everyone kind of knew each other. And so we already knew all the top lifters and then just Will showed up out of nowhere, opened on 240 on squats and it's just like, oh, this guy's pretty strong and sleeved. And then went 260 and then went 280. And we're like, what the fuck? <laughs> Who <laughs> is this guy? And the two, 280... Was Easy. really good. Yeah. yeah, I wish I could do that still. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, I I remember coming into it, not really having any idea. I didn't know what a deadlift bar was. Mm. Um, I didn't know what a monolift was. We just kind of I'd just been training at a commercial gym with bent bars up until then, and uh, and yeah, mostly training like a, a bodybuilder. And then it, 
whatever it was, 10, 15 weeks out, just started slamming it. But I knew who everybody else was because I, I did what I tell everyone not to do and just stalked the crap out of everyone. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to beat this guy, I'm going to beat that guy. Um, yeah, and then I came in, uh, uh, I think I was iron off Les, Big Les Road. Yep. I was like, this guy's my, this is my main competition, him right there. And um, Back when he was in the 100s? He was jacked too, eh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was, yeah. And I was like, ah, this guy's probably got me. But I did better than I thought. Yeah. So, and then um, went to nationals after that. And then, which I actually didn't compete in. I pulled out the day before because I hurt my back. Yeah. And then Pro Raw 7 after that, which is where we talked more. And um, I remember you cringing at me because Tyler was wrapping my knees and I was wearing the most, I don't know, they they were loose in the sleeves at that point. Like we were, he was literally just like kind of doing that. And then you're standing there like, (laughs) still couldn't (laughs) check your knee wraps. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit better now. No, they're much tighter than they used to be. But uh, yeah, yeah, we did that. And then after that, it was after Pro Roll 7, we started working together. Yeah. And ever since then, even up until, like you said, the last comp in America is still handing me then. So, yeah, 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 it's been, been awesome. Work. Yeah, we just started chatting back and forth, and then yeah, saw you at that nationals, and you had the torn lat, couldn't compete, which sucked. Because your prep had gone really well for that. Besides that, hadn't it? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> yeah, it went well, but like I said, I trained at a at a bodybuilding gym where the bars, like we used to literally get out all the bars before our session, uh, and then put them on the squat rack and roll them and whichever one was less bent, we would go for that one. So like to say there was a lack of like proper equipment would be an understatement, but this is in in cans, right? Yeah. And then uh, I remember the last deadlift session of that prep, which is like my, my heaviest, I maxed out what I could fit on the bar. I had like bumpers on there up to the very end on this crappy stiff bar thing. Uh, I said to my coach at the time, like I got, I got more. I got more. I just can't fit it on the bar. So I end up putting chains over it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. West side Willie. Yeah. It. Yeah. And West then, then Willie Willy Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, it hurt my lap. <laughs> Lesson learned. All right. <laughs> you accommodated too much resistance. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it was for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely wasn't the bent bar and uneven. <laughs> just random max out. But yeah. Yeah. That wasn't fun. But, um, and so we sorted uh, out since then. We we worked together up. Uh, we worked together into Pro Raw Eight, and at Pro Raw Eight is it was first Arnold's. Yeah, first Arnold's, and um, you came fourth at that comp, but Nathan gave you the trophy for third, right? Yeah, because we last deadlift was first, second, third, fourth. Yep, like crazy, crazy. finish, really cool finish, um, and then to have it at the first Arnold, so like the first comp with real spectators and all that stuff so it was um it was pretty wild and then yeah anybody could have won it and that and i remember daniel blanford he won he just yeah. pulled it out of his ass i was like there's no way he's getting this yeah, he, he smashed like it 22 kilos on his last attempt or something didn't he yeah destroyed it um which actually like was a good thing because it, it drove me future uh harder yeah but um yeah he did that sebastian got in second beat me and nathan by two and a half kilos yep uh, which was frustrating because I was actually lighter than him. And I was like, fuck, it's two and a half kilos. I got <laughs> that second place, like jumped two places from two and a half kilos. Uh, yeah, and then I tired Nathan and he uh, beat me on body weight. But then the next year he came back, gave me the trophy, said, you deserve it more than me because I went nine for nine and he went like five for nine or something stupid. And uh, that's yeah, cool. full respect. Yeah, yeah. What a guy. That's sick. That's He's really awesome. Cool. Yeah, I have to tell that story every time somebody sees the trophy in the gym and they're like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, it's just so cool. Like how you left the part about how I stitched you up on bench. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I called 197.5 for Will's third attempt on bench. <laughs> and then it was easy. It's because you fucked up a second attempt. I know. It was on me, it was on me but I'll definitely blame you. <laughs> I'll happily blame you. It's, um, it's the worst number to give anyone on any lift, in my opinion. Yeah, because that would have been my first 200, and it would have also got me second. <laughs> so, yeah. Whoops. On that. And, and there's the story of why we don't work together anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say, on that, I gave Ryan 297 for next week. And you're like, to him, just go 300. Yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah. I, can't, I can't bear it. This is overridden. I can't, yeah, I can't. The rank look, pulled yeah, rank. Yeah, he pulled rank. Yeah. I can't, I can't look at 297 on the bar anymore. Makes me sad. That is pretty sad. Yeah. yeah. 
What's two and a half? Why? What was the logic there? Because, well, at the start of Ryan's prep, Ryan, <laughs> Ryan's really confusing to coach and write programs for. Yeah. I write him like a set of... I remember when I squatted like 205 for four in sleeves. I gave Ryan 215 for four in sleeves and he was making them look really hard. Yeah. And I was like, what's going on here? I, yeah, so I'd, you know, I'd consult with Thomas and be like, bro, am I on track? Because yeah. this guy's got a monster squat and now he's just pulling it together. Yeah. Happens. Yeah, his mm. singles this week were really good. Um, anyway, back to, back to Pro Roll 8. Um, I remember having a conversation with you and Mickey and correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys were talking about going to... Newcastle to open up a gym. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, yeah, we still live. Oh, it it might have been before that. I don't know. But, yeah, I remember this because. Uh, I just remember you guys blowing up at each other about an iPad that Mickey thought got stolen but was actually in the bag the whole time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was quite explosive. I'm like, okay, this is this is my intro to Mickey in real life. <laughs> so, so now if you look at every single piece of equipment I own, it has my name on it. <laughs> But anyway, <laughs> but yeah, we were, um, we lived in Cairns. Like I said, there wasn't, I was training at a gym that didn't have much equipment. So we were kind of just, there wasn't anything there. And I'm like, fuck it. I, I want, I bought my own bar. I was, I was walking into the gym with a deadlift bar every session. Cause I, I, and I was like, well, why don't I just open a gym? Why not? Can't be that hard. Right. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lesson learned. But, uh, yeah. And then I messaged yourself, uh, bunch of people, Shero, Fuzzy, all these people. And was like, what should I do? And you said, don't do that. <laughs> uh, and I was like, shit, all right. Maybe these, you know, wasn't sure. But we did our own research and then we're still really confused. And I actually think, I think it was at one of the GPC comps actually. But I remember, I, I remember speaking to you there and going like, I don't know what to do. I, we wanted to go in Newcastle. We're not sure about it. Newcastle's not really the scene for it. We don't really know how to run a gym, if I'm completely honest. So glad we didn't, by the way. Um, and uh, and then you said something on the long lines of, why don't you just move to the Gold Coast? Come trade with me. And I, I think I thought about for like 10 seconds. I'm like, yeah, actually, fuck it. <laughs> well, why not? Let's go, let's do that. Like, we want to get out of Cairns. That's, that was, a, if I look back on it, that was the real reason. That was our thing. Like, we, it, it wasn't Newcastle. It was the fact that we just like were over Cairns. It was like, let's go move somewhere. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, and then when you you brought that up, I was like, yeah, fuck, let's, let's just let's go for it. So we sold nearly everything we owned, except for what we could fit in Mickey's car, and road trip down, uh, and moved into a share house, and uh, the rest is history. And moved on from there. That was a rough like month or two because didn't one of your cars got broken into and you got a bunch of stuff stolen, and then didn't both your, of them got stolen? Your car died shortly after, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we don't have a good Jeez. history of cars. So now we just own one car and uh, it was brand new to get warranty because we just had such a bad history of cars. But yeah, Mickey's and my car got stolen in Cairns. Um, it's not a great place for that, <laughs> to own cars. Yeah, good old Cairns. Uh, they trashed hers. We nearly died going down a mountain because the brakes failed like halfway down the mountain. Oh, so they, they must have thrashed the brakes on it and then we... Yeah, we, we went through insurance and everything. They're like, nah, it's all good, man. And when we were driving over this mountain, they're like, yeah, shit. So really lucky. Uh, yeah, and mine died like five times. So we ended up getting rid of it. But yeah, and then we, we got down here. Now they're all gone. Mm. And if you were to sort of then summarize between moving to the Gold Coast and then the growth expansion of Nexus into what it is today, you know, what, what are the kind of the milestones along the way? <sighs> God. A lot. There's been a lot happen. Yeah. But I think when when I moved here, it was the idea was going to be just worked out a zero, which I did, and um, just coached whoever came by. But then uh, Mickey moved into managing some other gyms, a Snap Fitness and EMF and, and a couple of those places. And then uh, I just focused really on the online because it's what I had. Mm. And that grew slowly, slowly. It was just me at the time, slowly, slowly, uh, until the point where I couldn't uh, handle it because I was doing both the programming and nutrition for people. I said to Mickey, you should just leave your job and just come and do all the nutrition stuff because I hate it. Uh, so we separated, we split the people, she does nutrition, I do that. And then things kept growing and we have slowly over time brought on new people until where it is today. We're a team of eight now. Uh, and then we started bringing in more things like the mentorship and all that stuff. And that, that 
opened the gates for what is now the gym in Burley. Mm. So it's been crazy. Why, what's that? Like um, like five years or something. Yeah. So Yeah, it's an awesome evolution. So when you say the mentorship opened the gates to the gym in Burley, do you mean like the the finances that you got through the mentorship allowed yeah. you to give you that pool of Just money? Just the cash flow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's not... It's not that the ongoing cost of the gym are killer. It's the, the just the upfront cost of everything. So that that brought in enough, uh, just you know, money sitting in the bank account to do something. And then we'd never even like six months before it opened, we were like, "Nah, I don't want to open a gym. Too hard. Like yeah. the online's good. We don't know how to run a gym. So why would we? You know, we're buying costs. But it just made sense. It was just like, all right. We got this. We got this money. We got to do something with it. We are. I want a place to train you know, for our clients that are on the Gold Coast to train. It makes a lot of sense. So, yeah. yeah, and it's awesome. It's an awesome space. It's a cool little setup, and you know, you guys put your heart and soul into that place. And I, I like this is what I say to people when they ask me, you know, should I open a gym or whatever, you know, when they broach that conversation, because a lot of people look at the money that they've got in the bank account and they're like. I'd do some quick maths. Oh, this costs that, that costs that. They work out the equipment. They're like, I can afford a gym. Like, okay, take that cost of the equipment mm. and now double it plus some, then you've got what it costs to open a gym. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't realize how much money goes into, yeah, there's the fit out, but just all the legal fees, the rent up front that you have to pay, the bond, like the costs get huge really quickly without you realizing. And then there's all the equipment that you don't factor in. Yep. Like all the little stuff that you're like, oh, here's a hundred bucks there and 200 here. And before you know, it's 10 grand. Yep. It adds up really quickly. Yeah. How do, how do people get in the door? How do people, you know, all the little security stuff and, and medical stuff and just paint. I don't know. <laughs> like <laughs> everything. Everything. But yeah, like I said before, when we were talking about the Newcastle thing, I'm so glad we didn't open it then because I can tell you what would happen is, is right now I wouldn't, the online business wouldn't be what it is. We definitely wouldn't be doing mentoring because I'd be spending all my time sitting in the gym. Yeah. 100%. Just because we had no idea how to run a business at that point. Mm -hmm. But no idea. Uh, we're still figuring it out. Still figuring every single day. I'm like, oh, <laughs> cool. <laughs> we were just talking about it before with the, the marketing and stuff. It's um, still well and truly over my head. But uh, at least we have systems in place now. We, we have all these, like our our client onboarding and how we get results and all that sort of stuff is so systemized from the online that it makes the gym possible. Yeah. Back then it would have been a complete mess and it would have been just wasting time left, right and center. Mm. With it. So yeah, we couldn't open the gym until the money was there. And until the other part was, it was that I didn't want to open it and trade jobs. So we had to wait until the point where we could afford somebody to be in there full time. Yeah. That was the other thing. So yeah, yeah, it, it held off until then. I'm glad we did. Do you think it's a lot like coaching? Because I feel like it's like coaching. Like you can you can do one of our mentorships or coach development program or whatever and learn everything about coaching, but you still don't know how to coach until you, until you start coaching. It's the same with business, right? We can sit through these mentorships and read all the books and listen to all the all the podcasts and everything, but until you actually sit there and start doing it, you, you don't know shit about it. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like uh, it's... Well, I mean, if I'm going to, like, talking about it in a, in a coaching sense, like, you can follow the big principles, yeah. things like you can know what specificity is and what that is, and that's going to help you. But, like, the nitty-gritty of, like, the program on the page or the how to communicate with people and all that stuff, there's an art. Yeah. And that, that like you said, you can't learn in any other way other than experience. I can always tell when somebody has skipped that portion of their career because they're Insta-famous or something or they're... They've just, you know, haven't coached in person. They've only ever done online. You can tell it straight away because they just don't know how to communicate with people. It's yeah. just, I know, there's just a part of it missing. The art's missing. So, like, it's the same thing. I can, with the business stuff, I could give you principles that are probably going to help. But, it, yeah, like you said, until you're in the moment and working it out for yourself with your brand, with what you want to do. Mm. I mean, yeah. If I, if I wanted to just have, if my only measure of success in the business was money, I probably would have opened, like, an F45 or something. Yeah. You know? Like it's, it's not the same as we want it to be our space. Yeah. Very different. Same with you. Yeah. 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 Walk downstairs. Everyone's awesome. That's what I want. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I've only been in Nexus a couple of times and that's the feeling I get. Like it's family there. Yeah. Yeah. And we learn a lot from here. Yeah. We learn a lot from here. I wanted the same feel. I wanted the same vibe. I wanted to walk in and there's guys like yourselves and the guys that are downstairs now just training and helping each other out and 
yeah, I just have so many memories from training here. Like when, when we were in the mono and there's like three or four people working in together. Mm. And then when we first moved to that side of town, I had to train at like World Gyms Burley a, a few times. And uh, <laughs> it's not the same. Not the same. Nah, like I do a heavy squat and nobody wants to help because they're like, what's that? What's that guy doing? You know, looking at you out of the side of the eye, giving you the old stinky eyes type shit. I'm like, okay, yeah. I want to create another space that's more like this, that's way more inviting. What's your, James, what's your favourite or most prominent will at PTC slash zero memory? Uh, <coughs> you guys had the handshake going. Yeah, we had the handshake going and that was, that was a fucking, that was a monumental thing between uh, me <laughs> and Will. What is the handshake? Because <laughs> there's probably a lot of people that are listening that have seen it and like, what is that? Uh, it was just like a, I don't know. It was. It just happened one day. I was like, "Fuck!" <laughs> he just hit it. What'd you do? What was the first thing you did? It was a massive deadlift, and Mickey was no, filming. I so I just walked out in front <laughs> and just made the biggest deal about shaking his hand, and then I just kept doing it. <laughs> and then eventually, people would come to the gym and say, "I can't wait for you to shake my hand." I'm like, what? <laughs> so even me and Davy Ravy, we don't what? shake hands. We only fist bump because he says the day he deadlifts three hundred. And benches two hundred. That's when he deserves the henny handshake. Nice. You have to earn it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You have to make it a big deal. It's like the, it's like yeah, like the prime minister handshake. Yeah. Like <laughs> when they meet, and it's like yes, good sir. Yeah, you have to has to be just way over exaggerated. Yeah, you just got to emphasize that you know the hard work was done. You deserve this. We should do we should do it with me and you, but like Russell Coit style. Yeah, so like I reach out, but then it's a video of you and Will shaking hands. <laughs> <laughs> you, do, you know on yeah have you seen that yeah yeah. That's and then um this is another thing so i remember daniel carpenter it was when he was still living in melbourne yeah he walked into the gym and like beeline straight at me he goes mm. i've been wanting to do this <laughs> and just gave me the handshake just because he's seen me and willie doing it do it on instagram iconic yeah so it was pretty cool it was pretty funny and uh we, we did a photo at uh at your gym at nexus uh when you i don't think you were open yet but yeah. we we trained together and um yeah I got so many I got so many followers from powerlifters <laughs> just from that because you were yeah. sharing a whole bunch of they the memories yeah, yeah. yeah nah it's uh yeah they were good times I loved it when Willie trained here has anybody else nailed it the uh, handshake yeah nah it's, it's not for everyone brother it's unique it's yeah unique can't be, often imitated never replicated yeah. <laughs> yeah the emotion has to be there people see the physical side and they're like I can do that That's yeah right. no you're not you're not you're not even close mate you're not ready you're not ready you're That's it. <laughs> You're not ready. That's all it is. <laughs> so me and Ravy, whenever we come in, we always go like this to each other. We go to shake hands. Have you seen our handshakes? No, I haven't. No. So we go up to each other every single time without a doubt. We go to shake hands and we both go, uh, 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 and then do a fist bump. I have seen you do that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that's what we do every time. And it turned out you didn't understand. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, dear. Wow. All right. Do you guys have any more questions about Nexus and Nexus Gym before I ask another question? No, I was just going to say... Uh, Every Saturday, well, there was a period there, most Saturdays. I still try to get down there on Saturdays. But, yeah, it's a fucking awesome facility down the southern end of the Gold Coast. Really cool team. You got Alex, Josh, Jordan, yourself, Mickey. Um, the crew. Yeah. No, it's a really cool place, and I love training there. So, it's yeah, it's fun. It's just a cool facility. And like you said, to see your dream or your vision kind of come to life is pretty fucking hectic. You know what's funny Actually, and I'm, I'm sure you got it as well, Thomas, but like when we first announced or opened or whatever that it was happening, I, I just want to say this because people have asked me separately, but people thought for some reason like we were like, oh man, you're trying to go against Thomas. Like, geez, are you, are you, are you sure? Like, yeah, that's because that's what I told everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fuck these guys. <laughs> Game on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Game on. <laughs> battle but uh yeah i don't know it just it, like everybody assumes that like you have to go like it's a competition now mm. whereas it's just not at all like if we both grow it grows both of us because powerlifting is just not big so if powerlifting gets bigger we're both bigger we're going to bring people here to your competitions things like that like it just it it just annoyed me when I first opened that everybody was like sneaky sneaky like oh yeah, yeah going up against it no, no. Like you, you clearly don't understand anything because it doesn't work like that. Plus, plus just the geography. Yeah, like that it, too. I yeah. live in Brisbane and it takes me almost the same time to drive to Nexus from here than it does to my own house. Yeah, like it's, it's quite far away. People the, think the Gold Coast is much bigger than it. Because the, the other thing that baffled me is because I'd get a few comments when I'd be at your gym too. Mm. 
And I'm like, you know, I'd never say it, but because I'm just like, whatever. But, you know, I'm like, you know, Thomas and Will are fucking mates. They know, like, it's not like Thomas didn't know. Like, Thomas went and checked out the space and, you know, like, it's not, it's not like you didn't know or, yeah. yeah, it's just really, really weird the assumptions people make. Yeah, where it comes from is just someone's, someone's own projection of their experience of wherever they're at. And if you're insecure in your business, you're going to look at someone else doing something in the same space as someone else and be like, whoa, this is, this is big. You can't do that. You're going to take all their clients. You guys are going to be against each other. But we're both so secure in our businesses that we know we're unaffected by either. And there are, there are I don't it, Yeah, it doesn't work like that at all. Yeah. It's the same with people when they're in the, in the coaching space when they're like, oh, this person is coming to steal my clients or whatever. So, you know, it, do, it doesn't work like that. Trust yeah. me. Focus on what you're doing. Make do do your job better, and you'll be fine. Trust me. And so f- for me, you know, any members that we had or have had that would go to Nexus because they live geographically co- closer, like I would do the same thing. Like, why would I drive thirty five minutes to this gym when I can go to ten minutes to a gym that's much closer and offers a very similar service and product? Like that just makes sense. It's like. McDonald's doesn't have to worry about KFC because they're both secure in their own businesses, you know? Yeah, they're both doing all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> KFC's way better though. So. Yeah. <laughs> Hands down. Hands down. Hands down. <laughs> yeah, no, but th- it is a very important point to to make because, you know, if you are a coach or a business owner or something and you get threatened by other coaches and other business owners, all that means is that you're in- investing emotional energy, time, effort into being scared of what other people are doing instead of focusing on what you can control, which is your own ability, your own marketing, your own advertising, your own product to continue to grow yourself. The more you just hone in on what you're doing, the more that doesn't matter. Like if I look at Zero in Brisbane, so on the Gold Coast, this is the only powerlifting gym historically. You know, there was Gold Coast Barbell Club years ago. That's a club. It was very small and, you know, um, then there's there's Coco's down the road, but they're strong men. Yeah. And so now there's two powerlifting gyms on the co- coast. That's two. In Brisbane, there's like 20-something powerlifting gyms. So it seemed crazy for me to open Zero Brisbane in, in, uh, in Brisbane, but I'm not targeting their members. I'm mm. targeting new people to come into the sport of powerlifting. Just like if you look at the members of Will's gym, or if Will goes downstairs here, he's not going to look around and be like, look at all these powerlifters that I know from comps. He'll just see people. And when I go to Nexus, I just see people because it's like our job to attract new people to the sport to grow the sport. That's what I thought is fucking cool every time I go to Nexus. Because, you know, I feel like being on the Gold Coast, you feel like you know everybody in the sport of powerlifting on the Gold Coast. Yeah. Um, so going to Nexus that I'm meeting new people that I've never met before and they're like, yeah, I've been powerlifting for a few years. I'm like, that's fucking crazy. I don't know. There were, were more people. So, yeah, no, nah, it's really cool. Yeah, we'll have a few new people from... Uh, from the gym coming into APL Nats soon, I think it is, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's grown. It's good. Mm. It grows us all, like I said. Yeah, it exactly. annoys me that people think like that, but mm. it is what it is. Well, their problem. We mm. just keep winning. Yeah. <laughs> A rising tide raises all ships. That's it. That's right. It's interesting that, like, uh, hearing you guys talk about it, I relate to, like, I'm a videographer and – I have a lot of mates who are videographers and there's never any hostility with each other. Like it's never like that at all. And even, but people that aren't in this, in, in the industry, they're the ones that go, Oh, you know, is he, you know, competition. So I don't want his clients like to think like that. It's like, there's so much work going around. You have to be so petty. Mm. The The fitness industry is absolutely the worst Mm. for it. Yeah. I think it's because yeah. people, like, you don't get taught that sort of stuff when you start. You just, like, you get into it because you're passionate about fitness, not because you want to grow a business. And it's an industry bred on insecurity. Like, yeah. most people <laughs> most people get into bodybuilding, body composition, even strength training because they're insecure about something. And they crutch it with looking good. And they never deal with their actual insecurities. And then that just filters into their businesses. Mm. Definitely. That's why I started. <laughs> just wanted to look better <laughs> I mean like Isn't that why we all started? Yeah Oh yeah a thousand Yeah I love getting stronger Yeah mm. <laughs> Yeah I don't look any better But I do <laughs> I do like getting stronger Yeah for sure I wanted to come back to To something you were saying before About um, You know language and communication Is part of uh, As part of growing your business And, and having that skill set and, and being glad you opened the gym later And all of that sort of stuff um, You know Nexus is Is one of the biggest uh, online coaching brands when it comes to strength training and powerlifting in Australia. Um, 
how much how much do you think that your as you had a long history of in-person coaching experience before you shifted to online these days there's a lot of people starting online how much of a leg up do you think you have uh, by having that history of in-person coaching when you switch to online? Because to me, that sort of signifies the difference between a decent online coaching product and a great online project coaching product is someone who's actually really experienced in person. Yeah, there's just a whole skill set missing, I feel like. Uh, and don't get me wrong, if anybody's taking offense to it, I'm not talking about anyone in particular. No, 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 of course. It's uh, But I, I just think uh, you miss out on so much. Uh, you 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 learn so much from talking to people and dealing with people and, and also just non powerlifters as well. Mm-hmm. Like people that just have other problems, you know, like all these like Instagram powerlifting coaches at the moment, a lot of them, they only deal with powerlifters and they only deal with online. And I think that's a big problem because underneath every powerlifter is a human and that has human problems as well. That has, you know, a business or a relationship or, uh, you know, other shit going on that's going to impact performance and you need to learn to look at that and put yourselves in other people's shoes that uh, are different to just your typical powerlifting problems. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it, like a lot of these people, I find they end up just kind of being the other side of a spreadsheet. Like it's just all about the numbers and it's all about what works in theory and they aren't very good at putting themselves in their client's shoes and learning to look at the person and their their, their actual issues, their actual things that are going wrong. They're like, oh, you know, we should, according to the science, we should drop 30% of volume when we taper. You know, that's science. And um, not the case all the time. Mm. Like I'm all for like using that stuff as guidelines, but like I just say, like do what works. If somebody's killing it, keep killing it. It's, it sounds simple, but it's it goes way over people's head. That's the strongest message there is though, right? Especially like in the information age, everyone's looking for what's the perfect program, what's the perfect exercise, what's the perfect you know solution to every product problem. The reality of like someone like yourself, who's one of the best powerlifters in the country, you've been doing the same thing really well consistently for a long time. That's where the majority of the progress is, right? It's not the magical little single leg exercise or single arm exercise you do, it's lifting consistently really well with good technique, with good programming, with, uh, you know, good recovery attributes, nutrition, everything consistently for a long period of time. Yeah. And I've said before, I don't, the more and more I coach, the more and more I think I realize that the program is like the little nitty gritty details of the program probably aren't as important as what you think, Mm. you know? And again, to go back to the, the, the modern Instagram powerlifting only coach like that's all they're looking at they're like oh you know maybe we should change these little minutia things they're going to make a huge difference because the information's out there now but to go back to my first powerlifting comp which like we just said before was pretty successful mm. it went, went quite well before that comp before the 10 or 15 week prep that i did into that which was pretty powerlifting you know specific in a way before that I was doing a bodybuilding program. And if you looked at it right now, if anybody looked at it, they'd go like, what is this? <laughs> like, this is the crappest program. It was my old bodybuilding coach. He pretty much took small of junior, which is a, <laughs> you know, very, very difficult powerlifting program. Yeah. And then slapped on a bunch of hypertrophy work after the smaller sessions. <laughs> so it was ridiculous workload, ridiculous volume, maxing out every single week, uh, at least on one lift. And, like I think the the reason why it worked was just like we believed in it and we just went hard at it and we did all the other stuff while we did the nutrition like almost too well like we're neurotic about it mm-hmm. and you know anything else all the other outside factors that impact the the environment of of our gaining of progression we nailed and so like would you say that's the best program ever and it was terrible terrible goes against any anything everything um but we got, yeah, good, pretty good results. You're just you're just training right. hard at the end of the day. Yeah, that's all it is. There's a reason why, like, if you're mm. topping beginner program on, I don't know. Again, this is beginners, but like, the, like five by five will come up. Yeah, it's, it works. It does. Like people go, oh, that's suboptimal. And it's like, well, I mean, yeah, went all right. We've we've said this before. I think I've said this a million times, but it's like. You know, you watch some of these. Uh, I used to be obsessed with like IFBB bodybuilders when I first got into training. They all train like 
well, most of them train like fucking morons. You know, just go to failure in every single sit. From a theoretical sense, yeah. Yeah, but they will fucking look better than 99% of the people. At the end of the day, they're just training hard. Mm. Yeah, every set is mm. a, is full effort. Yeah, they're going to walk. They're measuring out their, their rice after the meal, like taking out grains <laughs> of rice to make sure their macros are perfect. And I'm not saying do that, but I'm saying that if you are neurotic about all these little tiny in-the-weeds details of your program, but then, you know, your diet's off every other day and you're trying to fit macros into your macros and then you're getting five hours of sleep a night. It's like, eh, like... I don't know. Is it really like? Uh, is there is there bigger things to worry about here? Yeah, come on. I you think know? of um, I think of 2016 nationals was which was just before I got enlightened on how to actually write programming, and I'd evolved these programs called Slam. Like Will used to run the Slam series. I got, yeah, I forget which version I got. I don't I've know. I still got it. There were a bunch of them, and they, they, like initially they were like 16 week blocks that were just based off percentages, just plug straight in, away you go. And I didn't know what a deload was. I didn't know what I was doing. I just like saw things work and then changed things as I went and as I learned things. And I think of like, it was Slam 3.5 that we all ran into Nationals 2016. Must have been it, yeah. And there was, I think, I can't remember the number of categories, but it was like 80% of the male categories, my lift is one. My lift are one overall. And that was at like three different Nationals as well. Like I it remember was, that comp. It was a shit. It was a shit program. Like if I look back on it now, I'd be like, I would never <laughs> give someone this. Like that would be a bad idea. But the lifters believed in it. They trained fucking hard. They were invested in their recovery, their nutrition, all that sort of stuff. And so they made great progress. And like as we get better at understanding it, yeah, we can get better better progress. But far out, sometimes the pendulum swings so far in one direction. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that was the comp where you wrapped like, I, t- I swear it was like 10 people in a row. Yeah. Like you'd just be like, I'd be on the seat and then I'll get my knees wrapped and you'd be like, off next on the conveyor belt. <laughs> like, Jeez. I remember it was ridiculous. Because that 2016 Nationals was the really long one. Yeah. Before it got changed. That was the first year it did get changed. So 2015 uh, right. was the okay. longest one. Yeah. That, that was, was the, one the like Tuesday to Sunday. Yeah. And I was up at 1130. Uh, I wanted what? to watch Ricky Goodyear lift, but it got to like 1130 at night. <laughs> like, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Bro. It was great. <laughs> what? 2016 yeah. was a little bit shorter, but it's still wild. It was still like 400 lifters or something crazy. Yeah, that's an, are GPC nationals still that big? Nah, no, uh, no. It was like Thursday short. to Sunday, like all day. Uh, like I said, like it was 11 Sit. o'clock at night, and I was sitting there like yeah. waiting. Six flights a day. It's crazy how this still powerlifting Jeez. comps run like that, though, where people are lifting at like 9 p.m. at night. <laughs> Surely they've kind of these other. <laughs> These feds or whatever have figured it out by now. I hate those feds. <laughs> <laughs> no, no more fed bashing. <laughs> Next. APL National is way better, yeah. 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 Sign up, baby. <laughs> no, you can't. It's sold out. Yeah, sold out. Sold out. You can't sign out. <laughs> if you want to, you're out. Sorry. That's right. So um, let's talk about Will as the athlete now. Uh, back on the horse. Feeling a bit better. Way better. Way better than what it was. Yeah, well, I mean, I think COVID got to everybody. Uh, at the start of COVID, I was like, I got this. You know, I just moved stuff in my garage and just train and I'll be fine. Mm. Uh, you lent out a bunch of equipment. We had enough to train. But, I mean, like anybody that says they weren't affected by it and they were just like full, you know, in the zone, do the do the work, that, nah, come on. I had to affect. So I kind of like got in a bit of a slump there and just didn't really, uh, you know, put in full effort, kind of a maintenance mode. Uh, doing just what I can, just what I enjoyed. No real structure. It also happened to coincide with things like you know, us bringing on new coaches and the mentorship launch and all this stuff that took up a whole lot of time. So it was just killer. Mm. Just killer. Strashed. Uh, and then, but yeah, I, I'm feeling good. I'm kind of, pro raw, pro raw, this pro raw just gone. Definitely reignited something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I He's can do back. This. I can do this. That was a cool comp. Yeah, this. These kids, nah, nah. nah. <laughs> <laughs> so I say that Mitch has been lifting longer than me. <laughs> Daddy's coming home. <laughs> I'm um, back, boys. Don's back. When is the last time you did a low bar squat? Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I think I've demonstrated it a couple of times, but um, <laughs> <laughs> like a low bar squat session. Yeah, nothing above like 200 kilos in. It have to be a year. It have to be. And the the, one, the times when I did, it would be like one session. I'd be like, no, what's, why am I doing this? Like, <laughs> what is this? This is terrible. You come up the next day, your shoulders sore. You're like, fuck. <laughs> safety bars, my friend. Yeah. That's where I'm at. I'm yeah. all about the safety bar. I'm a safety bar fiend. 
It was cool during uh, that COVID break. I'd come and train at your place a couple of times. Yeah, and this in, was in your, the garage. Yeah, the one the one car garage. Yeah, it was it was probably smaller than this room here. So th- wait, this is at your old place before you were yeah. down south. Yes. So I was at Will's old place here, and um, if you've ever been to Ground Zero, our studio slash barbershop slash Thomas office isn't that big. It was probably a little bit smaller than this, eh? This room. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was yeah. literally like you could fit one car in. Yeah, it so was the size of a car. There were, and I remember there was a monolift, a bench press, a leg extension, like yeah. a hamstring yeah. curl. It was wow. it was actually really fun though. Yeah, and then sick. like you know to do like some dumbbell stuff or some kettlebells, you had to step outside the garage. They're doing split squats in the pavers. Yeah, a few pavers. <laughs> sorry to the sorry to the landlords out there. <laughs> we hidden it well. So you won't find it. No, they were fun sessions. <laughs> great yeah, yeah, yeah yeah no there's something about it like it definitely uh like learning to push through it and actually get anything done i think is is beneficial when you come back but yeah it made it difficult and then yeah just like i said layering the business stuff on top of that mm. it's killer um and just felt bur- felt burnt out i just didn't want to there was just times where i would kind of do sessions and then the next day i would feel run down I, you know i wasn't eating perfectly either there's a lot of stuff going on so like it was just it was just yeah it's difficult times for, for everyone i think mm. i'll be really curious to see you know how where your strength is you know once you step back into a a full three lift block uh, because it, it i'm like my assumption is going to be it hasn't really gone anywhere you know you'll you'll be similar numbers or not far off you know 10 percent off where you were when you were training consistently with those things mm. and it, it'll be a good demonstration to people how you can go non-specific for a very long period of time as long as you're eating well and actually doing some training in general um yeah as long as you don't lose muscle is usually my rule of thumb yeah because once you lose muscle yeah it'll come back quicker than when you first got it but it'll still take it still takes time yeah but deadlifts i know have gone nowhere because like, just because I like deadlifting every now and then, I'll just max out because that's you know, smart that's what way. You do. Yeah, <laughs> like when I went down and saw uh, Eugene. Yeah, what did like, you pull three twenty or three forty or something? Like it was three twenty for three, and yeah. it was just like it was, it was easy. Yeah, that was on. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, do you have any deadlift bars? Because you've got every like top end piece of equipment that were like hundreds of thousands. Of, no, nah, we only got this Alico bar. I'm like, oh man. Gross. So that was yeah, that was that was. But like the fact that I could just pull that out after absolutely no real structured training whatsoever tells me it's still there. Yeah, especially does the deadlift. The bench, I, I feel is that's going to be the hardest one. Does that scare you? Like just going that heavy on deadlifts, or is it because you enjoy it so much? It I wouldn't bother. advise it. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely. Um, you know, you would say the injury risk would be higher, but I don't know. When you're with Eugene in his gym and he's just such a, a, a nice guy. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Fine, I'll max out for uh, you. Yeah. Give you a show. Yeah. I really want to go there. It looks sick, eh? He's a, he's a nice guy. I'll, I'll hook you up, man. Yeah, I've, I've messaged him <laughs> back and forth a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd be keen. Um, I want to come back to injuries as well. So um, during your powerlifting ca- career so far, you haven't had any, like, show-stopping injuries. You've, you've been... Um, I wouldn't even go as far to say you've been fortunate to avoid them. I think you've just been really smart. Like you're you're one of the lifters that is really good about being like something's not right. I'm going to stop here. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Pretty good at keeping the ego in check. Yeah. How how like this is it's such an interesting topic because you know some people don't register pain as an issue or some people's um you know, understanding of what pain means to them, it, do, it doesn't mean as much to other people. I think you've been really good at having the foresight of either just knowing that it's not good and you should stop or having seen a lot of other people get injured and being like, I, I want to keep going. It's not worth it at this stage. Mm. Um, do you think, uh, you know, in your own experience coaching as well, do you think that there is uh, a genetic resilience to injury in some people? Like I, I kind of have this belief that some people at the top uh, have avoided injury less because of their their smarts like you have, <laughs> but because of um, they've just got, uh, you know, a geni- genetic resilience. Yeah, to I can like think a, of one man that comes to mind and you would know straight away. Well, I was going to say similar. hundred <laughs> percent. That's yeah. what I was going to say. The man just uh, come in, change grips, set to set, max out randomly despite what you would say. And then uh, and just hit, yeah, hit whatever he wanted. The most injury prone way of training you could, you could train, really. <laughs> and I don't think he ever did anything. He was just tendons made of 
titanium or something. Didn't he used to warm up? What was his warm up? One twenty. Whatever was on. Well, if if I was benching one seventy, it was one seventy. It was yeah. whatever anybody else was doing. Well, yeah. When I met him before I coached him, <laughs> his his standard session was one forty by thirty, one eighty by fifteen, two hundred by five, and then max out. <laughs> and like, then max out. And, what? Yeah, and, he, and he did that twice a week. <laughs> That's sick. That was still, even when he had your program, that pretty was much. pretty much still his yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I've only heard good things about this guy, Jason Simula. <laughs> like, that sounds sick, but like, everything I've heard about, because I've yet to meet him, and he's such a, a figurehead in this space. Icon. Yeah, he's <laughs> iconic. The first of the, well, correct me if I'm wrong, the first of the big zero benches. Yeah. You've got all the big benches now, but he's the, he was the OG. Yeah, yeah, the big OG, for sure. You have to get him back in here for sure. I've tried. Yeah? Yeah. He's he's just got the old bro mindset. Like anytime I've tried in the past, when he saw Andrew Cooper first break his record, he messaged me and he's like, bro, I want to train late at night when no one knows I'm training. <laughs> I want to make sure no one knows about it. And I'm like, yeah, we could just come and train. Yeah. It'd be like, okay, I'll come see you when I can bench 300 in the gym. I'm like, all right, I'll never see you again then. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's always been his attitude. Still runs a bench press uh, Facebook group. Yeah. Does he? Yeah. Yeah. That's if you post sick. any squats, you get shut down. <laughs> He'll delete you and kick you out of the group. That's Only so bench pressing this group. That's so good. Can Simula, can he deadlift and squat as well? <laughs> he's like Andrew. Like he can't physically get his hands yeah. Yeah, in that position. He's He deadlifted uh, 300 once. <laughs> is he like Coops? How Coops just deadlifts once a year and pulls 320 or whatever it is? Yeah. Well, I don't let, like Coops has asked if he can do a push pull and I say no because he'll tear his bicep. Yeah. Like he doesn't have that external rotation. Yeah. And he's got fat bench fingers that will never be able to hook grip. So yeah. it's just not worth it. You know, he wants to be the best bencher. Mm. So why, he is. Yeah, why why waste mm. your time deadlifting if yeah. it's not important to you? Yeah, 320 is not that impressive anyway for deadlifting once a year. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Jason, yeah, Jason was a king. Mm. Absolutely. In your, so in your time and experience lifting and in the competitions that you've been to here or overseas, who in your eyes is the most impressive lifter that you've ever seen? Oh, God. <laughs> I know, I threw you under the bus with that one. Jeez, I'm trying to think who was in America, but there wasn't anybody. I don't know. It, it probably st- I still call him the best lifter in Australia, even though he's not really Australian. That's, that's right. Yeah. I don't know. He's just uh, the Terminator. He's, just yeah. a, he's a machine. Like it's, it's, a, it's a robotic action. It's just everything's perfect. Yeah. Uh, and his attitude is as well. Mm. So I don't know, maybe maybe him. I don't think he's any, like he's had the, the couple of issues lately, but it's, but then I remember when he first came into the scene, I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, I can't let this guy beat me. And I look him up on Open Palace and he's been like competing, let alone lifting, but competing since he was like 13. I'm like, yeah, he, okay. He can, <laughs> he, he can have it. He can like, okay, that's fair enough. You, you earned it, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah. Well, you're not just a freak, you know. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, uh, he's he's one of a kind. And he, and people say to me, they're like, "Oh, you worried?" That's why I wasn't worried about like Mitch breaking the record and that, because I know it's, it's only a matter of time before he decides to jump <laughs> in and break it anyway. Like, don't I don't care about the record. Yeah, I know his sights are strongly set on a thousand at a hundred. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, and then he can just you know gain a kilo and beat it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> But yeah, he's he's a machine. Uh, if I had to say one, it was a bit of him. It's crazy because um, <clears throat> I know your name comes up a lot when people talk about who their favorite powerlifters are in Australia. Mm. Um, it comes up all the time. You ask people who's who's your favorite powerlifter. I love watching everything Will Crozier does. He's a fucking monster as well. And I remember because you're one of my favorite powerlifters. But on top of that, you're also just a fucking good bloke. Like you've always made time for people. You know they message you. I'm like whenever people see you in here, I'm like that's Will. I'm like go talk to him. And then you'll be there having a fuck twenty minute conversation with them. So that's what you do really well. I'll message you out of the blue every now and again. Hey, bro, keen to catch up and train? You just say, "Yeah, let's do it straight away." Yeah, Always, for sure. yeah. Come through, come through today. What are you doing today? Do you want to come through? Yeah, sweet. Come around to my house. Let's do this. I'm like, that's fucking cool. Mm. Like someone that I look up to in the sport. I was like, oh, this guy's the man. And you asked what the best powerlifter was, so it's a slightly different question. But I always looked up to. Ricky Goodyear and Nathan Jones for that reason. Are there, anybody that's ever asked me is, is who who we uh, model off, you know, it was them. Because not only were they the best 110s in Australia before before I was in it, they were the, the first to break 900, the first to break uh, 2,000 pounds, all mm. that stuff. But then they're just such good people, 
such good people. Like Nathan give me the trophy. Like nobody else would do that. Yeah. That's Yeah. Super that's humble, it. super approachable. <sighs> Talk about anything. Yeah. No ego. Didn't didn't Ricky Goodyear go and start running ultras? <laughs> I don't know if he did ultras. He definitely did like trail trail running. Yeah. Um and I think he got half decent at it. Yeah. Then he came back to Palestine for a short stint. And then I think I don't know why did he stop his knee or his back or something was still messed up. Yeah, he probably came back and went, I remember that being fun and then did it for a little <laughs> bit and went, Now I remember why I quit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I uh, know that's probably what happened. But he uh yeah, such good I still still like there. Every single comp, every pro roll that we've done before COVID came along, Nathan would be in it. Mm. And me and him would always be on the same mono and would just be absolutely just you know, taking the shit out of each other the entire day. Like just before he's about to walk out or I'm about to walk out, he'd be talking shit to me. And he's probably one of the most impressive shit talkers I've ever met as well. That guy can fuck you up. Yeah. But I liked it because you know yeah, I like it's to hilarious. be relaxed on, on comp day. For sure. Like I need something to distract me from getting too hyped. Yeah. So like if I had other people who were more of the the up hypey lifters around me, yeah, it it's not the same. I don't like it. So yeah. he was always just such a good person to bounce off on the day. I think it's probably my my favorite memories of Will in the gym as well as um, like unless everyone if everyone didn't start screaming let's go Will you know come on let's do it you'd hardly know that he was even about to lift so quiet <laughs> you'd just be having a yeah. chat like I'll be wrapping his knees and we'll be laughing about some shit and cracking jokes as you're setting up under the bar it's like that last ten to fifteen seconds that everything switches on and then it's then it's go time um, it's a really good model to set for people like in terms of conserving energy and actually putting that energy and focus into lifting the weight. Um, yep. It's something that you model really well that um, a lot of lifters just don't see that often. Yeah. It's a, uh, some people uh, I've found it hard to teach, but uh, so I don't know if it's something you just come with, but um, I think doing a lot of sports when I was growing up probably helped, but yeah, it's only, I've really tried to bring it in that last 10 seconds. That's it. Mm. And it's the same with anything like music, like I, I try not to rely on music at all. In fact, recently a few people at the at Nexus um, have been doing that. Like they have to have their song on it at X volume and we have to turn it and get... And I'm like, so I've made it a mission lately. Whenever I do like a heavy deadlift, we'll put on the most just dumb music. Like yeah. just you know, put on some old relaxing or Barbie girl or some shit like that. And nice. I'll do like a 300 plus deadlift to that and then just to show people. Like, <laughs> and it's... <laughs> It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Because at, at comp, like at freaking Pro 9, where the dude was like, got the horns going. Yeah, you need a button on here for that. But, um. Oh my God. Yeah. It's, it's true, though, because once you start relying on those external factors, like, you feel like you need them every single time. Yeah. And when you really, you know, take a step back, those external factors fucking do nothing. Nah. It's just the song. Nothing at all. No, and at, at comp you have everything against you in that way. Like you have judges sitting there staring, and you have people around that mm. you may or may not like, a crowd that's yelling. Um, yeah, I used you know, to whatever. I used to be pretty um, around the gym if I saw people that were non-power lifters or getting into strength training, and you know, getting into the vibe of the gym. If I saw them like setting up face to face with someone, I'd, I'd sort of stop it. Or if they're like, for example, now the dominators sit right in front of the combo racks, and so even last night someone was sitting on the on the dominator while Josh was getting ready to squat two forty, and I was going to go, "Oh, do you mind like getting out of his way?" So, but then I'm like, "Well, that's where the judge sits. Like, you mm. have to get used to people walking in your face, being in your face." I mean, we've been to, to warm up rooms that there's just even here at some of the bigger comps. There's just people everywhere. Yeah. Like you're doing your last warm up of whatever it is with like a fucking beehive around you, just buzzing around. Like you have to be able to deal with that stuff. And having perfect conditions all the time in the gym doesn't help with that. Yeah, and sometimes you don't get to do your planned warm ups. Like if you usually go to 200 before you do 220 at comps, it's like whatever's on a lot of the time. Well, it's that's on the bar. That kind of makes sense. Let's just do that. Yeah. I don't know. So you, you can't get too stuck in your ways because it's, it's only going to come back and bite you in the ass. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What's your all-time favorite competition memory for you as a lifter and you as a coach? Uh, two, two as a lifter. Um, I can't really separate. And that would have been 
Pro Raw 9 and winning that comp and just the way we won it. Like, it was just, it was just perfect. There's no other way to describe it. Like, I went nine for nine. I remember that after squats, we were sitting there and Sebastian was the main threat. And I think he failed, like, a lift and he was, like, losing his shit, chucking his belt or something. And yeah, he got we really were, upset. Yeah, he got really upset. And it didn't help that the Lily Bridges were there kind of geeing it up. Uh, and I remember just sitting there, just cool, calm, relaxed, just going, like, I'm, I'm good. Like, I got this. I'm right. I'm... It's over. I don't know. As far as I was concerned, in my head it was. I don't know. And then it just I remember being pissed off actually on the last deadlift because you were on my shoulder like if Sebastian pulls this, we're going to have to pull like, you know, like a two and a half kilo jump or something just to take the less risk option to win. Yeah. And I was always for that attitude and I still am for that attitude. I'll always do that for my lifters. But I really, really, really wanted to pull 365. Yeah. It was 800. And I was like, I know I can do it. And I was like sitting there like, please fail so I can pull 365. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, and that, that's what happened. And it was just such a good, I don't know, it was just like the first comp where I thought everything was just, uh, the stars aligned. So that was that was one big one. And I still that, remember that perfectly. That whole comp was crazy. And that crowd in that last deadlift, that was like your crowd. Like that was probably the most wild crowd at a competition that I've ever seen. Yeah, it was, yeah, I just remember like, Walking out, just, I got this. Like, yeah, I just, I just remember just being so focused, yeah, and just so like not a worry, not a chance in my mind that I was missing those attempts. I don't know something about it. Uh, and then the second, uh, very different story, but was is was the last, actually not the last pro now, but the last pre-COVID pro mm-hmm. um, which was the roller coaster of a day that it was, and it was special for a different reason, and that was because it was more like a drama tv series as opposed to like a, a perfect day but we had the the first and second attempt of squat and bench failed so i had to pull two thirds out of nowhere when i'd never failed a single opener in my life let alone an opener and a second on two different lifts um and uh and then to pull it back together for the win in the end and, and pull um a two and a half kilo you know uh just just to nip out sebastian on that as well just mm. Super emotional and super crazy for very, very different reasons. Uh, and again, the crowd then was just insane, ridiculous. I remember all I can remember is just um, Ariane's arm just had that uh, helicopter. If, if, yeah, if you, if you know, Ariane, I don't know how he has had that shoulder mobility, but he, <laughs> for the moment, he pulled out the shoulder mobility for me and just, yeah, the helicopter arm. And that's all you can see in the videos. And yeah, absolutely nuts. There's someone going up against you. That's pretty disappointing to go five for nine and win it. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. it happened to Will a few years earlier with Nathan. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, true, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but I mean... That's heartbreaking. That's like devastating. You're like, yeah, I've got this. I'm fuck, And then all of a sudden... Yeah, there was a, there's a few factors looking back on it. Like I did cut, I was like 6% body fat or something. So something stupid. So, I mean, there was factors as to why it probably didn't go the best. Um even though at the time I would have blamed it completely on everyone else. Uh, yeah, but that those two were the best for me. And then as far as lifters go, I mean, there's been so many so many times, but um, uh, particular moments, probably when Keita and Kate uh, went head-to-head and had to battle for first and second, and then I was there shitting myself because I was like, I'm coaching these two girls who are going first and second, and I don't want to seem like I'm on anyone's team so I had to like kind of play like there just do what you can do (laughs) 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 but that was so cool that was a really good experience and um and then on Keita as well to see her evolve over the years because I remember she she might not be saying this but at Pro Raw 9 like literally crying in the warm-up room because she missed some attempts Mm. to turn from what she was then into what she is now she's had a ridiculous transformation that for me as a coach is just so cool yeah unreal are you um I just got two questions who's your favorite powerlifter that's my first question. And who's your favorite athlete of all time? <laughs> Jeez, the best. Oh, man, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so many different powers, so many different reasons. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I literally don't know. I'm skipping that one. Why? What's who's yours? My favorite powerlifter. Yeah. Uh, it would have to be. Why does his name skip my brain? The Russian, the Russian guy. I don't, Yuri. I, yeah, I lo- Yuri Belkin. I love Yuri Belkin. He's why I started wearing those uh, Alico straps. Nice. 
um, and things like that. See, the thing that stops me from saying people like Yuri or John Hack or any of these uh, people is is that I just don't know them. Mm. And it's I respect the crap out of you for as a lifter. I'm mm. like, man, it's perfect. It's like it's like right, but I just don't know him. Like he might be a complete dick, and I'm like, hey, I don't know. You know, yeah. like, like to me, it's the it's like I said with Nathan and Ricky and and right, it's the humor side, like a. I know we're talking as a powerlifter, but I know it's, it's all—it's an all-in package. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's it's as a fan, as a fan of the sport. So, like when I first started watching powerlifting, I didn't know anyone in the sport. I didn't know you. I didn't know Thomas. So for me, it was like, oh man, I love this guy. This guy wins everything, and he's a monster. Yeah. And he didn't wear a belt when he did list, which I thought was crazy. Like you know. <laughs> mm. Yeah, we well, didn't know as much. Uh, on an athlete side, I'm a big fan of all sports that. People probably don't know, but I don't know. Recently, it's it's. I really like watching tennis. I don't know why. It's yep. just to be able to run back and forth on a court um, for five, <laughs> to be, to five be able to six, run. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to do what they do in every set for five or six hours. It just every single time I watch it, I like. I know what to expect. Like you're a weapon, but every time I watch it, I'm like, I don't know how he does this. This is ridiculous. And then to, uh, so it'll probably be like. Uh, uh, one of those top guys, like Rafa or something. I like Rafa because he has a bit more of the the dog, you know, the, yeah. the, the comeback, the, yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 I don't know. There's something about yeah. him that's just the underdog almost. Have you watched King Richard? Yes. Yeah, a super good movie. Definitely one of the best sports movies of recent. Yeah, I'm a sucker for sports movies, but that one's just like, oh, maybe I should try tennis. <laughs> Got me fired up. Probably a bit old now. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the one about the Williams sisters? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I got to see so it. So good. So good. But yeah, that that, I mean, yeah, they're they're definitely there too. But just just seeing like just their athleticism in tennis, I just love it. So uh-huh. probably one of them. Favorite favorite movie of all time. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm so bad at these questions. Why are you? No, doing you're this? not. Mm. Um, <sighs> people want to know about Will the person. Yeah, <laughs> they're yeah, sick of Will the powerlifter. He's fucking everywhere. Sick of hate that guy. Yeah, I know. Um, Wins everything. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, movies. I don't know. Um, Favorite music artist? You're a music guy. I am. Uh, <sighs> now <laughs> it depends on the mood. <laughs> like it, if I'm in the gym, it's always metal. It's a Pantera, one of those bands. I love it. Um, James's favorite. The band. first. Mm. The first. Walk. Great song. <laughs> 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 um, but. Like the the first band I saw, I saw live was like Avenged Sevenfold, so something there yeah. for them. I loved that. Nice. That was my first first live experience. Um, but then I've gone to all the music festivals with electronic art, artists and stuff like that, and I love it too. So it's not it's, there's no bias. But uh-huh. what would be your biggest piece of advice to coaches starting out in in powerlifting, like powerlifting coaches starting out? Um. Well, we go back to our previous conversations in, in like learn to learn the, the soft skills of coaching as well. Mm-hmm. As in like instead of instead of just worrying about the exact things on the paper, worry about them as humans and how you can make them better athletes in general, as opposed to just focusing on on uh yeah, on the on the numbers or the volume or the exercise selection or whatever that's the fancy on Instagram at the particular time that you choose. Um and then not to be self promoting or whatever, but go and do it mentorship or something yeah go and do one of the courses like we run uh there's plenty of courses out there that'll teach you a lot but like i i clearly biased but like i like the, the quote-unquote mentorship type ones where it's more about like helping you in your situation and mm. i feel like that the real value we're in those i've done a heap of courses where i've gone like this is fantastic in that i learned a lot but there's also been a lot where i've, I've, I've come out more confused Mm-hmm. Like smarter, I know more shit, but like just more confused about how to get results. And that I just feel like the the stuff like we run with is live calls, and you're talking to people about their situation. Mm-hmm. That's where the real help is. Yeah, so yeah, but that's a really important to say because if you're a coach looking for information on powerlifting coaching, there's nothing out there besides what people like yourself put out there, which is powerlifting coaching stuff or strength training coaching stuff. If you go do like a basic whatever anatomy physiology course, great. But until you know how to apply that and you're not going to learn how to apply it unless you do it or you get advice from people who have been doing it for a long time at a really high level. So I think that's great advice. Yeah, I've done it. Yeah, I've done a heap of courses where I'm like, okay, 
I'm going to take all this information and apply every single part of it and just chuck out what I was doing before and just do this now. And um, a few times. Uh, and it's, I regret it so much. I wish I could just go back to like how I used to just coach people friggin', and then just, just develop it that, you know what I mean? Mm. Like everybody comes into the mentorship now. I'm like, okay, you've got your, like, how do you do things? Okay. Like hopefully in this, in this, over these 12 weeks, I can teach you a few things to like make that a little bit better. Yeah. But I definitely, definitely don't want you to just throw it all in the bin mm. and just do what I do. Cause it's what I do. Isn't you. Mm-hmm. So the lesson that I've had to learn a million times and it, yeah, it sounds like it's just self-promotion, but it's honestly, it's it. I wish I had done that. For sure. All right. You boys have any more final questions for Big Will before we tie things up? No, that's good. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for your time. Do it again. What a legend. I'm not far away. Yeah. Just just call me up, man. Yes, sir. (laughs) Come through. Oh, iconic. (laughs) It's a bit tight, though. You know what I mean? I feel like, you know, there has to be a lift before it. The emotions need to be running. Yeah, that didn't feel authentic. No. It was kind of there. We'll go max out there. Still better than other people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's have a deadlift. (laughs) Yeah, let's do it. All right. Thank you, Will. We'll see you guys next time. Bam. Thank you so much for listening to the Zero Podcast. If you want more information, head to our Instagram, zero underscore weakness. Hit the link in the bio for all of our services and any information on upcoming workshops and events. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review so we can have a broader reach and answer more people's questions. Thank you once more.